whatever you're doing, and this is outside of your career as well, which is to always have your optimism, always be proactive in everything that you do, and make sure that in all these pursuits that you're going on, keep your compassion for other human beings. Those are the three biggest things, being optimistic, proactive, and compassionate. And the rest of it figures itself out. Hello and welcome to Getting Started on Design on This Is Hate CD. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a designer, an educator and the host of This Is Hate CD based in the wonderful city of Dublin, Ireland. Now in this episode, I chat with John Foley, a service designer originally from Ireland but now based in London working with LiveWork Studio. Now we chat about what the experience was like leaving university. John went to Maynooth University in Ireland then working as a design researcher and how John made his own look. We chat about that in great detail, okay? We chat about the portfolios that John has had or has not had in that case and also the interview process for LiveWork. It's a good one. Let's jump straight in. John, a very warm welcome to Getting Started in Design. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Looking forward to Christmas coming up uh, and going home. I know, going back, you're Irish, which is... Which is uh, fantastic because the last person we had on the, the podcast was also Irish Kelly O'Dowd mm. um but you're over in the UK at the moment you're working for live work um good friends of the podcast and um but maybe tell us a little bit about before we jump into your your career at the moment where you're at in, in live work tell us a little bit where you studied and what you studied and when you started to study there Sure. So I'm from a small town called Manute, which is on the outskirts of Dublin in Ireland. Uh, And because I'm quite lazy, I found a degree in design that I was quite interested in. And I figured I'm not going to canoe all the way into Dublin or anywhere else. I'm going to walk to university, which is a 15 minute walk. So I decided to study product design and marketing and innovation in Manute University. I Mm -hmm. did that for about four years. And... I was quite happy with what I was doing there and I found I wanted to get a little bit more into the innovation end as well as doing service design and design research and that kind of stuff. So I decided I'd buy myself a bit of time. I was offered a scholarship and I did a master's in design innovation at Manute as well for a year and I just graduated from that in 2021, which is last year. Okay, so at the time of recording, this is 2022, uh, near, near the tail end or in December year. But um, before we start talking about the actual degree and you did a master's as well. Let's go back to when you were in school, okay? Um, how did you find out about that course that was in Maynooth? Um, was there somebody involved or is there someone in your family that uh, introduced you to design? How, what, and how and what were those steps? Right. So I have a weird background. Uh, I suppose everybody says this as well. Uh, yeah. when they're I'm a bit different. Podcast. Yeah, I'm different. I'm special. No, um, for... For myself, I have an eclectic set of interests. So it'll go from everything from art, music, and history all the way to engineering, accounting, and business strategy. So that, that's been, I think I've been like that since puberty. Uh, so I just became self-aware and I was like, I want to learn everything, just curious about everything. Um, because I live in a universe, I lived in a university town, um, you have all these different departments that you can actually reach out to. So okay. In Ireland, we have a year gap called transition year, which is between two, yeah, and fourth year. 
so I think I can't remember what age you'd be, probably around 16, 16 maybe. Yeah, 15 or 16. And because I'm quite young, I couldn't go and do uh, any jobs in companies because it'd be a little bit illegal. Um, right. We'd be underage. So in the university, I had somebody I knew had gotten into an electronic engineering department. And mm. I kind of figured I'll give it a go, see if I can get in. And that's actually where I found design. Uh, so they let me go in and play with all the electronics, the Arduinos and making things. Oh, yeah. And that escalated all the way up into working with a brain sensor. Um, and I was measuring my own activity on my head and then figuring out how to turn on motors by like focusing and that kind of stuff. So it went really weird. Uh, and I went up and when I was chatting with the person that had let me in, <laughs> I said, like, should I go into engineering? And he said, John, do you like maths? And I said, kind of, but not really. Uh, and his response was, have a look at design. Uh, and he, right. Yeah. And so he recommended a lecturer called Trevor Vaugh. Uh, I know the name. And, yeah. yeah. And so he recommended I reach out to him and I got a little tour of the place because I'd missed the open days uh, uh. at the time. And that's when I heard about design. And I think I watched some movies, like I think it was The Wind Rises or something like that. It was a, a little anime movie about architecture or what was it? Yeah. it was engineering and flight and that kind of stuff. I think that's where I got the whole, yeah, this design the stuff bug. sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I'll give it a look. So you were about 16 when you were introduced to maybe what design could be? Yeah, because I hadn't a clue. Like I had family members that went into, well, mainly working in, service industry and that kind of stuff but mm. um yeah i'd be the first i was the first in my family to even go to university uh or even mm. think about it um so so it was kind of engineering or accounting I was like yeah there are the two things that you can do go excel at that and bring in the money <laughs> kind yeah. of thing um, it's interesting because and, uh, and again, I'm, I have to be aware that I've got a big brush here and I'm going to tar everyone with the same brush as I'm about to say this. In my experience of speaking to family members, when they come home and they the child comes home and says, I think I want to design. Yeah. There's usually one or two things that happen. They're going to go, yeah, that'd be great. I could see how that works. Or the other one is like, no, 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 no. You want to do something else like, uh, you know, journalism or accounting mm. or business studies, something that, you know, equates to a much more tangible outcome and easier path to getting a job. That tends <laughs> to be where a parent's um, sort of priorities lie. Yeah. Are you, can you remember back that far? Because you're, you're probably about <laughs> mid-20s now at this stage and yeah. we're talking about 10 years ago. I'm getting what on, yeah. You're getting on, John. You're yeah. like, you, you want to watch I've got yourself. The back pain, I've got the Have you got the pension going. set up? <laughs> so, um, so can you remember what that conversation was like with your parents? Um, I think, so my parents have always been supportive of most things, so long as it, was, it didn't result in me getting injured. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, the conversation was all right because they were looking at it going, well, you did engineering, they let you into a university and you were able mm -hmm. to go there every Friday for two years. And they said, they gave you the feedback and said, design could be really cool. And so you were going into the university for two years doing, playing with the Adrenos and stuff. See, this is what I was saying. I have a weird background. It's not, right. <laughs> just, maybe just, this is the unique bit. Um, so yeah, they, I think they saw my enthusiasm for, yeah. everything 
um, and I went, well, we could test out a whole pile of different gizmos with this chap. And if he can understand it, well, then somebody starting off in university will have a good yeah. chance of understanding how it works. Um, so it was mutually beneficial. Uh, I don't Absolutely. think it was <laughs> just That's an incredible advantage. That's an incredibly generous thing from oh, Munich yeah. University to do that. Was that Trevor Vaughan that did that? No. So this was um, Ben Malocco, um, who is in the engineering department. Um, right. And he had let me in uh, to you know do like the, the transition year, mm. come in every Friday for whatever, six months or whatever the timeline was. And I was having so much fun. I would be optimistic proactive and yeah. i'd be doing all these different things curious and then exactly all that stuff and then i think they just saw that and they went when i had asked can i stick around for the summer and then i'd ask can i stick around a little bit longer and then i think i got up from my leave and and went okay i can't actually show up every friday anymore yeah. to do stuff uh, i need to pass my exam so i can actually get into university yeah um, and so they were like john it was lovely having you uh, and that that's kind of yeah, there's a, yeah, what I found is there are hundreds and millions of generous people out there. It comes down to yourself being bringing yeah. that energy, bringing the, as I said, the optimism, the proactiveness, and I suppose a degree of compassion as well when you're interacting mm. with people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you just get lucky. You get offered stuff because you're you've generated that look, I suppose. Absolutely. So, you you showing that that level of enthusiasm and curiosity really probably mitigated a lot of those kind of fears your parents had as in, as in like is this the right thing for him to get into because you were already kind of doing it you're already yeah. you know right Ma, da, i'm off i'm going into university today you're like not finished school so you're a little bit of a doogie hauser in that sense you're you're um, a high achiever from a young age if you're is that fair to say probably I, yeah i suppose high achiever I didn't, like think, I didn't even think of it that way. I mainly looked at it and went, this is interesting. Absolutely. This is cool. I'm going to give this a go. And they'll have to kick me out. Uh, <laughs> it's the only way I'm getting out now. But I know when I, when I reflect back to my own 16-year-old self, I, am, I wasn't confident enough to walk into university because they were much older than me. Those people were much older than me. Same. I, I honestly, after opening up a memory now, I I do remember calling the the university, um, and just being just like shaking uh, on yeah. the phone, and they're just kind of like, "Hello, can I join the university?" <laughs> I think I had said, "Can I do uh, university with you, please?" With the yeah. voice cracks and all that kind of stuff, um, and then they had a. Yeah, the, the person there was just friendly. They realized that, like, this is a child that's calling. Uh, and yeah. they, they had, they, I think they had someone else in before. So they knew who I, roughly what I was asking about. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. So definitely, I wouldn't, am I a high achiever? I don't know. I think I was, I don't think I'm smart enough to, to set that uh, level of achievement. It depends just, how you frame it. You, yeah. You set yourself up, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in a minute, but you set yourself up for luck to occur. Mm -hmm. um and you'd built that bridge at a very young age and you learned how to communicate and network to to really yeah it was it, you probably didn't realize but it was quite sophisticated in what you were doing <laughs> um so talk to us about you went in you studied your um your degree and then you did a master's what was the master's in the master's was in design innovation okay 
Um, and what did you cover off in that? Was it was it a pretty focused masters or was it quite a broad masters in that sense? So the great thing about design at Manute University is that they want you to pick up skills. I, I think they had said this informally a few times, which is they want you up into the C-suite. They don't want you kind of, you know, working your way up into a, into a different kind of like, I'll be the junior and then lead and whatever. I'll work up. They're very okay. much, you need, from the design perspective, you need to be able to communicate with all the different people. So the fastest way to do that is to get you to do, get you up to that C-suite level. So mm-hmm. in all, both in the undergrad, as well as the masters was very much teaching you about, okay, yes, there's design, there's the creativity, there's the thinking and the problem solving and how do you assess a problem. But then there's also, here's how you do business, marketing, entrepreneurship, as well as design research and ethnography. How do you go in and look at stuff? Or even, I remember my undergrad, how do you weigh up if it's worth buying equipment or investing in something? Like what's the net present value of a, of, of an investment? So yeah. we had a lovely, which fulfilled my eclectic interests uh, kind of brain uh, because they'd give you all these options to try stuff. So it was quite, it was general, but I feel like saying it was general would be a disservice to what they were actually doing, uh, which was mm. to get you ready for anything really and let you choose what you wanted to focus on a bit more. So one of the problems that I'm seeing, and it's from coaching and through this podcast in particular, is at the end of the academic year, it's a little bit of like, you know, pat you on the back, see you later, off you go, best of luck, hope you get a job. How was that handled in Maynooth? Okay, because this bridging experience between the two worlds, the transitionary period between academia and um, full-time employment, what was that like? Did they bring industry into the masters? Were you working alongside other businesses? Were they teaching about entrepreneurship and business to set up in your own? I'd love to know a little bit more around that. Yeah, so actually, it's all the above. We did all those things. So they bring in industry partners. So I think we had ESB. I think some stuff went through because of the pandemic, um, mm. which kind halfway of halfway through that. The pandemic kicked off halfway through it, wasn't it? Yeah, so that was kind of. That had nothing to do with the university. That was mainly to do with the world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the pause for a bit. Um, so, yeah, so they, they'd bring in people. They'd also train you to kind of do entrepreneurship. Or if you had an idea and, yeah, they, they would get you ready for entrepreneurship as well through yeah. both coach, coursework as well as mm-hmm. you will have indiv- individual lecturers that will say, hey, you should you know try that out. See what happens because um, yeah. you don't have that certainty uh, <laughs> in, in reality so if yeah. you find something cool give it a go so how they went about doing it it's hard to tell because I haven't been able to sample any other places so it's kind of mm. it's all I've actually known uh, yeah. if I'm honest but even having those conversations um, with the people within the university it sounds like they're across it and they yes. they support that kind of thinking and that entrepreneurial mindset sounds like it was instilled from the degree level as opposed to just being something that we need to bolt on at the master's level. Like, it was within like, the DNA, it sounds like, within the design function of Minute. I would 100%. Yeah, pretty much. I would, yeah, I would 100% agree on that because I noticed even when mm. I look back on certain things, I'd say like, oh, we've been like left alone just to figure stuff out by ourselves. Mm. And it was only, I think I had, I think it was first year, I jumped <clears> on quite quickly on that and went, this is fantastic. 
Yeah. They're just going to say, go do this thing, figure out the way you're going to do it. There are no rules. Just go, go make sense of it. Yeah. And what I loved about that was that you could, you had the freedom to explore it. And then when it came to the, when it came to, when you had to pitch and present and that kind of stuff, once you had a rationale or a logic and you could explain how you came to your conclusion, you're fine. Um, yeah. like there, there, there was no issues about that because again, I think they looked, they looked at design from the point of view of, we have no idea. We have to invent point B. There is no A to B. You have to, you have to make up, you have to come up with a new point B. Mm. Um, I suppose that as, as, as I agree has, was there from the very beginning. So the masters okay. was just speaking with more experienced people in the course. Yeah. One of, one of the things when I look at your LinkedIn profile was the continuation of the relationship with Maynooth, you ended up working in Maynooth. Yeah. Is that the same for all of your class or is that just a case of a, of a select few? Or walk me through what that looked like. I'm trying to think. I think there was just one or two. Like this is, yeah. So this is something I've noticed as well when you're doing coursework is that your lecturers have worked in industry or they are in industry and they will have gigs, freelance stuff. They'll have their mm. own companies or whatever it is. And if you're showing up to university every day, you're doing great work, you're positive and good to chat with. Mm. It's just a matter of time before they will probably go to you and say, look, I've got a little project here. Could you help me out on it? There's a bit yeah. of money or whatever. And, and that would kind of open the door to you. So you wouldn't be aware of it because it's not like something that gets announced and goes, hello, yeah. everybody. Uh, we've, <laughs> well, I've, I've got a side gig. It's very much it's through those relationships that you mainly unconsciously yeah. develop um, that, that gets you those opportunities. So I've noticed a few people. Yeah. There's a good few people that I know that have continued it that way. Yeah. Cause that, that's super cool. Cause you ended up working as a design researcher in Maynooth for maybe what a year and a half. Was it something like that? Yeah, that was actually a funny one as well. So yes, that was with, so the EU has, um, this thing called Horizons and then mm -hmm. Insert Year. So Horizons 2020. And what they do is they put a lot of money into innovation in some sort of area. And the one that I was um, asked to join was um, it was called Shapes, which was to do with smart and healthy aging for people engaging in supportive systems. So basically, okay. we're all getting older. How are we going to make sure that that's not a bad thing uh, was the basis of it. And so one of my lectures had, we were doing ethnography, uh, I believe, and he quite liked the way I would write about stuff or how I would describe things uh, when I carried out research. And I think I got a phone call one of the days and he said, John, I'm working on the future of aging in Europe. Are you interested? And I kind of went, oh, yeah, let me think about it. Like, uh, <laughs> no, I, I went straight into it and said, yeah, you don't, you don't turn yeah. down opportunities like it's that. Said, yeah, here's a good gig. Um, we're interviewing people, apply and see if you can get in. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how that happened. <laughs> right. And which is a really important thing as well, because it was within the 15 minute walk. And we know you don't Perfect. Like to yeah, I wouldn't have done it otherwise. Yeah. More than 15 minutes as well. So <laughs> you, you're okay for that. Yeah. Um, what was the interview process like for them? What, what were they looking for when you were going through that process? Oh, that was a long time ago. Um, can you remember? It was two years ago. <laughs> 
<laughs> can Stuff you, can moves you... extremely fast for me at the moment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was a pandemic in the middle of it. But yeah. did you have a portfolio uh, at that time? Because this is the, one of the big questions for people who listen to the Getting Started in Design podcast is he must have had a crack in portfolio if he was hanging out in uh, the electronics department from 16. <laughs> what what kind of stuff did he have in his portfolio, Jerry? Ask him the questions. Do your job. That's what people are saying to me when they listen to this podcast. Hmm. Can you remember what that was like? Did you have a paper so, portfolio or was it a digital portfolio? Philosophically, I don't agree with portfolios. Um, I, know you, I know you do a course on them and I, I'm happy to be... To, 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 to have a different perspective on it. I do not like the idea of portfolios. And I think it's a, it's a big waste of time for everybody involved. Um, what I do believe in is a pitch deck. Um, okay. So I know I'm probably just doing semantics here and changing the do, Does the pitch deck have examples if you're working with them? Yes and no. So it, it's mainly, it, it, in the same way you put a proposal together for working with a client, you would... Mm. You would do that. You would treat the person or company you want to work with as a client. And yeah. so you go, all right, this isn't going to be a 30-page thing. It's not going to be multiple projects. It's going to be, um, here's why I want to apply. Here's why I'm good. Here's some examples of why I'm good. Let's have a chat about it. And that yeah. would be like, what, less than 10 slides of content? Um, mm. Because then you're a human. And then they, they realize they're Absolutely. humans and we just want to And you're putting the effort in. And it's making it easier for them to make that leap. Um, I'm saying, oh, actually, you know, he's put some thought into this. It's customized to our needs. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's definitely, I've heard a few other people recently say they do the same thing. So let's talk about what was in your, your pitch deck then. Okay. So um, was it, did you create a pitch deck for the role with Horizon 2020? For that one, I think I just had a CV because this was with anthropologists. So they okay, have yeah. A, different process it was like a standard interview cv mm. and then have a chat and see why you're good for the role for however for live work that was going into a service design role so i might explain that one so let's talk about that one a little bit so when you were um in january 22 you started um with live work in, in london um which for anyone who doesn't know live work live work are a pretty remarkable service design practice they've been around since day dot in the service design world um and from speaking to marzia recently who's a design director based in rotterdam but also in the london office was explaining to me now that it's employee owned and i wasn't really aware of this so um walk me through and it's not not like uh thousands and thousands of people working in live work it's it's still quite a small you know um very intimate and i don't want to say boutique but it's like under 30 people is what my understanding is that right Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you approach live work or what was the process? Was your contract finishing on, on the horizon 2020? And then you were like, okay, walk me through. Did you select who you wanted to work for and kind of go target them or? So, um, yes, actually, yeah, again, it was, it was all the above. So it was the contract was ending, uh, yeah. for the horizons project. So that was a good motivator to, you know, Look around. Uh, yeah, I had been reading a book, actually, it was service design from insight to implementation, which was written by Andy one of the founders. Yeah, um, and Ben. And, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I had read that book because I was kind of getting ready to do freelance, actually. Um, yeah, and that was a good book that gave 
for for once it was a, it was a design book that I think went through like this is how much we charge for certain things. I'm like, all right, this place is pretty cool. And I think there was a project that they'd done on, and it was reducing long term unemployment somewhere in the UK. I went, all right, they're doing something important. They're able to explain themselves and they're giving me information that's useful. I'll keep an eye on them in the future. And I think I saw mm. a post somewhere on LinkedIn by one of the directors. I think it was BIM. And yeah, they just said, we're hiring. And I said, all right, I'll send out the CV um, and see if they get back to me. And that, that's kind of how that entry point started, uh, was true there. Very good. So again, I'm loving the fact that you're like at the front of the pack and you're kind of hunting down these opportunities yourself. And it sounds very kind of facetious in that sense, but again, you're going out and you're looking for this. You're not sitting back kind of going, oh, I've got my LinkedIn profile up today and just wait for people to knock on the door with an opportunity. You went out there, you found it, you made this happen. Um, so that's that's a pattern that I'm seeing with people who are having a less bumpy road in that transitionary period. Um, can you remember when you're going back to that point? Because uh, this was during the pandemic. Okay, so it was it was kind of a, an interesting kind of transitionary period between the world that we knew and yeah. pandemic world. So you did an email introduction and. What we through what the interview process was like and what were they looking for? How many interviews were there and so forth? Perfect. So as I was saying before, I made a little pitch deck. So mm. I think I think it was three interviews in total. Um so the first was just getting to know me and seeing a bit of that, you know, the portfolio or a project that they wanted to see. The second one was more the same, but to showcase a skill or, or something like that. Yeah, I think it was to do with like a, so a tool mm -hmm. that you'd used in a project and to be able to talk about it. I think the last one was just to get to know me. Um, yeah. And see if you're, if you're, if you're going to fit culturally. So that, they're, they're the three interviews. Um, and so I think the pitch deck or the proposal had said the same, the whole, more or less the whole way through, um, <clears throat> which was, would you like me to go into how the proposal yeah. was shaped? Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to love to learn. So there's one thing that I was learned a couple of years ago, which was people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. And so I had used that for my proposal uh, and said, okay, here's live work. Here's why I'm applying. I think you're really cool. I think you've done these. I've read one of your books. Um, I'm seeing what you're up to. It's like, that's what I want to get up to. And so... It was talking about how great they are and then about look how great i am i'd be a fantastic fit and then i'd go into here's an example project that you've asked to have a look at yeah and, and that'd be a general structure so a 10 page uh pitch deck effectively yeah, yeah pretty nice so the interview process um was, was there any requests for portfolios in that process um no for i think they said they just said show us one project and um, that, that's what I went with. <clears throat> okay, so then, then um, it got to the, the sticky part of negotiations because they, they were obviously interested enough because you're a full-time employee over there. Can you remember um, moving from Dublin to London as well, which, you know, we all know you're, you've got a 15-minute radius around your house in the Yeah. You're going to have to get to the airport, which is a 40 minute drive, and then you're going to have to get on a plane and get to London, which is That's horrible. My calculations is more than 15 minutes from your house. 
So um, how did you determine what to what to ask from what was reasonable and maybe walk I don't want to know the numbers by the way that's a completely private thing between yourself and live work but how did you determine what was um what was reasonable so actually one thing I will say about the numbers won't get into the specifics but I will say on the um on the website when they were offering the role they do say it's between this figure and whatever excellent so and that is really important because the amount of companies that say we don't have any talent coming in and then they're not clear as to you know they don't tell you how much you could make and then there's like it's competitive and that's all you get so that's, that's also something for parity and equity as well yeah so live work is clear on that bit at the yeah. beginning um so sorry what was the other bit of the question no, just how did you know? So they, they have the, the band on the application process, which is which is fantastic. So hmm. how did you know, um, how did you handle the negotiation period? What was the, the steps? Did you go in and if, if they were offering 10, did you come back in and say, uh, I want more, I want less, I want a review period after six months? Can you remember what that was? Because this is a really tricky period for a lot of people coming out of university where they're like, this is a great opportunity. I really want this job, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm prepared to do it for nothing almost. Never do that, folks. But I want to know what what that process was like, like you know, because that's really, um, it's a tricky one for a lot of people. So I didn't negotiate <clears throat> because the figure was perfect. It worked for me. Yeah. wasn't going to push any further on it mm-hmm. uh i agreed with the assessment on it um because again i'm still really new to this whole yeah career malarkey kind of stuff so what i did do beforehand though was know what i needed up front so i ran my own figures i looked at how much the average rent would be how much i'd have to spend each month and i yeah. knew okay this is how much money i would have to i'd have to get just to break even um yeah and it was a, it was it was a, it was definitely above that. So that allowed me to kind of go, okay, well, the figures work out. Uh, so I don't really don't really care much for <clears throat> getting into yeah. the negotiations. I was happy enough to just to move in. So lo- looking back in the whole kind of period, it seems when I compare it to some other conversations about not the ones on this podcast, hmm. you've had a very kind of um, direct process from leaving academia like getting your master's getting a contract job in in design research and then it just seems like you know a couple of months later you've landed a really good gig in london with one of the best service design agencies in the world or practices Mm -hmm. in the world um what advice would you give to people so if you've got a little brother say who's looking to do the same thing as you can you think of the three things that you bring to the table that you're like, if these these are the three simple rules that worked really well for me, can you think what those three simple rules might be, John? So, yes, there is. There's definitely three, um, which was whatever you're doing, and this is outside of your career as well, um, mm. which is to always have your optimism, Yeah. always be proactive in everything that you do, and make sure that in all these pursuits that you're going on, keep your compassion for other human beings. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the three biggest things, being optimistic, proactive, and compassionate. And the rest of it figures itself out because it's all just a numbers game and you'll come across all these great things 
just simply existing in the world. There are hundreds of millions of opportunities. So those are the three okay. things that will help you. Yeah, um, they're, they're three great rules. Um, so what I'm going to do is, John, um, first of all, I'm going to thank you for giving me your time and your energy and your openness and your honesty. Put you on the spot with a couple of those questions. Um, if people want to reach out to you, I can put a link to your LinkedIn in there. Do you have a website? Uh, no, not at the moment. I'd say the LinkedIn will probably be handy enough. Is, is, is the best way for people to get in touch with you. Indeed. Um, John, listen, look, if I don't get a chance to say it now, have a great Christmas. I know you're coming back to, to Maynooth. You're um, best friends with uh, Paul Meskel as well in Maynooth. You're telling me. Just down the road, yeah. <laughs> that's a, a, a little joke. You know, John did go to school with Paul Meskel, and I can hear collective gasps from the American audience getting him. <gasps> <gasps> Normal people star Paul Meskel is from the same area as John Fulham. So there you go. You should update your LinkedIn profile and just put that in brackets. I knew Meskel in school. <laughs> Listen, thanks so much for your time. So there you have it. That's all for this episode. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisis8cd.com where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. If you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is Hate City newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishcd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.